All-American Gunslingers presents Ubaldi Reports. Hey, everybody. This is John at Ubaldi Reports, the podcast that provides fact, not fiction, when it comes to issues impacting America, whether from internationally and globally and domestically. And always with me, I've got some of my three best um, up here in Tampa, at least a well, city outside of Tampa. Um, and it's WXJB uh, 99.9. And one of the questions that was asked, he goes, what are the three issues that should be discussed during the, uh, or will be discussed, or what should the candidates focus on during the upcoming Republican debate tonight in Simi Valley or at the Reagan Library? There's a Republican debate tonight? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but what I said is the three issues that should be the, Repu- the Republican candidates need to address is the economy, the economy, and the economy. Everything is based off that. Now, they could. some people could say, well, they can diverge to foreign policy. Well, Ronald Reagan once said in 1980, a strong U.S. economy breeds a strong uh, foreign policy. And if you go back in 2010, Admiral Mike Mullen was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and he was getting ready to retire. And he was doing an interview. I don't know if it was on CNN. I know I got the text from probably was CNN. So they were asked, what is America's greatest national security threat? And he said, the national debt. Because with a a large national debt, that means you can't spend on the military. Uh And you can't do things that you want internationally. And it hampers what we can do domestically. Now, I would also expand on that is to say our economic situation. Because right now we got the, um, on the 30th, which is, let's see, Friday or Saturday, I believe. Saturday, September 30th, that's the end of the fiscal year. We're at, we're at another debt showdown. And whether you blame Republicans or Democrats, both sides put us into this. We, we keep going to these showdowns and just do enough to get by till the next six months or a year. And we don't solve the problem. And I was asked on the program because I wrote an article about the, U, the, the U.S. debt is $33 trillion dollars. And nobody cares. And nobody does care. Everybody right. blames each other. Well, I mean, they, I don't care. I mean, it, it's always, it always goes up, no matter what president. And but then, it does. But, but, but it, this president's talking about, oh, I diminished the debt by $2 trillion. Well, that's a bold but is it, lie. But, but is that like, not now, but like in 10 years from now? No, that's because, now. Because in the, the, in the situation we're going to get ourselves into is that, okay, let's just say the... You know, Almighty Trump comes back into uh, office, and the economy writes itself, and then all of a sudden it's prosperous and stuff like that. The Democrats are going to pound their chest and be like, "We did that because that's how that's how it works." But here's the problem. But if it was going to fail, they'd be like, "That's because he's in here." But here's the problem with all that. Yeah, if let's just say Trump does come into office, and even right now people could say, "Well, the debt really doesn't matter to me." Yes, it does. We went, at the beginning of the Biden administration, we were spending about $200 billion to $300 billion a year on interest on the debt. Now, because of the rising of interest rates, we're now spending $500 billion to finance our debt. And they're predicting by 2025, when the next president, whether it's Trump, Biden, or whoever, we're going to be at over $500 billion. Excuse me. We're going to be up about $800 billion which is equal to our national debt. Mm-hmm. So if we don't write this, and then the biggest problem I had with both Republicans, you know, all Republicans, and that includes Donald Trump and Democrats who don't even want to even come to grips with it, 
is the the only way to reduce the national debt is you have to and you have to take care of the nation's mandatory spending programs, and that's um, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Because right now we are, um, what do you call it? We're there's more people retiring than people are working. So right now we're paying everything out of the cash reserves out of Social Security. So by 2030, it's broke. Now, people can fault me for that and say, well, that's that's just bold-faced lie. That's false because the Medicare and Social Security actuaries have said this is the problem. So um, my daughter, she does aftercare. We've been going through this daycare for a while. I take it this is your youngest daughter? Yes. <laughs> Okay, and uh, one of the rooms was closed, and I was like, I mean, I've been with, we've been with them for over seven years, so we, there's a little bit more of a personal relationship going on there too. And I go, what's going on? Are you guys not getting enough enrollment, or are you not getting enough staff? And it was immediately staff. They said that it's real hard to find somebody to work well also it's also this is kind of like a love your job kind of job not make money kind of yeah, job well daycare was never really you're not going to be make rich get rich off daycare so i got i got some sw virginia said easy fix to this is to cut defense spending um i think we've talked about that there's some areas of the defense there budget is, that we can and should cut it's not that you there's have also to, another thing too after you're done okay it's not that you have to cut defense it's not that we have to cut spending we have to reform how our defense dollars are spent now leon panetta who was the secretary of defense under barack obama he admonished even his own party if you're trying to uh, balance the debt in a uh, uh, balance the budget off the backs of defense you're never going to do it you could eliminate the department of defense right now when we still have a national debt crisis we need to reform spending at the Pentagon level, but we also need to f- reform it at the um, in our domestic programs. That means all agencies, all departments, all whatever, if they receive federal funding, we need to reform it and see how is the money being spent? How is it allocated? How do we do procurement? How do we do acquisitions? How do we do everything? Do we need this now because of um, new technology? We also have to look at... The federal workforce, the federal government has gotten bigger and bigger each year. And if you remember during the pandemic, remember they let all the non-essential workers go home? Well, if they're letting all these workers go home, do we need that many workers to, to run our federal government? These are things that we need to discuss, and we, we just haven't done that. Well, it's also something that we've discussed also is that what's our budget for education? We spend, I mean, I can only go by what the U.S. Census Bureau reported. We spend about a little over $800 billion a year. $800 billion. And the federal, state, and local level. And we're not getting, it doesn't seem like we're getting our money's worth. We could definitely cut from there, too. Because, I mean, I think we've determined that mostly the feeding of that $800 billion is just for the administration, not necessarily the kids. A lot of you, you're correct. I mean, my, I my, da- my daughter's asking for people to help out with a wish list. So I know damn well they're not giving her money for supplies and stuff like because that. Because remember when we had Lance Christensen? He was a, he's an educational expert out of California, and he ran mm-hmm. laws for a, a superintendent of public education. 
money just goes it's it's comes down and by the time it gets to the teachers all they do is get not even the crumbs they get like the 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 sandpaper of the crumbs and it just doesn't get there how many superintendents like oh here's an example of this what you just said on education last uh, friday a report came out from project baltimore but it was also came out of the secretary the uh, department of education in maryland mm-hmm. that 92 percent of children in the ba- the, uh, the the Baltimore City yeah. are deficient at math at grade level. Yeah. 92%. That means 7% are proficient at grade level in math. Baltimore has a budget of $1.2 billion. They also received about $700 million from the um, COVID relief monies for the schools. And then the superintendent of public education for Baltimore, she got a pay raise last year. She now makes $445,000 a year with all the incentives added in. About as much as the president. That's no, more than that. <laughs> but, so, but, see, but here's the question is, where? and then 80% of the city of Baltimore is controlled, I mean, excuse me, 80% of the student body of the city, the children who go to Baltimore school to, schools are African-American. So where is the leadership? Where is the two senators from um, Democratic senators? Where is the Democratic congressman from those cities? Also, what year is it? Twenty three. Twenty three. Okay, they'll be there next year. Okay, it's an election year. I'm just just wondering why, out of the people, all the people that we have watching us on TikTok, Beach Baby has not chimed in yet with any of this information. Okay, but here she is. (laughs) You said it. Hold on. Let me just finish this point. And not, I don't want to just blame de- Democrats for this, because Larry Hogan, who is the Republican uh, governor for for um, Maryland from 2013 to 2000 uh, January of this year, 2023, he was there eight years. So this didn't happen overnight. So my question to him is, when did you know these schools were failing, and what did you do about it? Yeah. And if you didn't know, why didn't you know? And then you have the NAACP as headquarters in Baltimore. Do they get outside their building? I mean, think about it. When you only have 7% of the student body of these schools, there was 23 schools, not one kid was proficient at grade level, and we spent $1.2 billion, and then we gave them $700 million? Mm-hmm. And this is vindictive across the country. So what do they do? Let's drop the standards, like Oregon. Oregon eliminated any kind of test to graduate high school because it's impacted of minority students. So we just downgrade the standards. So kind of going back, because we're talking about the economy in a little bit, but we're also talking about them a looming shutdown as well, probably sometime this week. And a lot of it's kind of riding on the fact that Ukraine, uh, funding for Ukraine and how pretty much after we do decide or agree on a bill we're going to pass it up the president's probably just going to kick it back because it doesn't have anything for ukraine in there now we were talking a little bit off camera earlier about um is ukraine having success against russia No, ukraine is having success okay now so is that money actually is it working it's it's working but the problem i have i've always supported the United States um, helping the Ukrainian um, people out against their fight against Russia. I don't mm-hmm. agree how Joe Biden has done it. Mm-hmm. And the reason, like I was talking with Ray before we started this program, had it's not what you do in war. It's what you do to prevent the war. 
And Joe Biden showed weakness from day one. Like he, he lifted the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. This is a pipeline that bypassed Ukraine and went into Western Europe or Germany from, from Russia. So he let that go through. So then, I, you know, go then we had the debacle in Afghanistan. Yeah. Then we had Russia hacked into the energy, energy grid. And Biden says, don't do that. Just don't hack into this. He just showed weak, even leading up to the invasion by Russia into Ukraine, he says, well, first they can do a limited excursion. That would be all right. Then he had to walk that back. Then he says, I'm not going to arm the Ukrainians Then because I don't want to inflame it. Then, he, when he, then when the conflict started, we'll give this, but we're not going to do this. But now we're given this. If you're going to go to war, go to war. Yeah. If you're, you're going to do these half measures, don't do it. It's never worked in any right. conflict. Is the next administration going to come in and just stomp this out? Just be like, we're done? It depends how it goes. I mean, this has more geopol geopolitical ramifications because what the, um, our Asian allies are watching this. Now, Seth Jones, he's a military analyst for the Center for Strategic International Studies. He was all over like Taiwan, Japan, South Korea, and even our... Um, our Pacific allies like Australia and they're and even like Vietnam, they're concerned that America is going to get bored and just so, going to abandon Ukraine to Russia. Can you put it out there for Southwest Virginia to maybe elaborate a little bit on how Ukraine is saving U.S. billions of dollars? I don't. Yeah, we don't get it either. That's why I'm just kind of reaching out. Maybe yeah, he can. The only it. way I can speculate without knowing what she means by that is, is that we're not using our own people. We're not using our own troops. That's the only thing I can speculate. I would just tell her if you could elaborate a little bit more. What do you mean by that? So then I can comment. Okay. Uh, but you know, still going economy wise. I mean, every, I think everybody's really starting to feel well. The, they are the, the, the pinch. Uh, especially, I don't know why the three of us decided to start a. Small business in the middle of this economy because it's the easiest to get involved in. The gun industry will never go anywhere. I know. But I mean, but even, we're going to be open for the Civil War. But see what I said on, the, what I said on this, the radio program today and other times I've been on it was I go I go out and I talk to people even at work. I always ask somebody, "What do you do?" Mm -hmm. And if there's a businessman, I ask him what they do, and they they tell me, "Oh my gosh, it's all my costs have skyrocketed." Yeah. I've talked to restaurant owners, and they said all my um, products, all my supplies have gone up. My energy costs have gone up. All my food costs. When I used to work at a restaurant, and I'll tell you, I worked at Chick-fil-A. The gloves, they use a lot of gloves. They used to spend $40 a box on gloves. Now they're paying $130. Chicken has gone up. Eggs have gone up. The energy costs have gone up. Fuel costs have gone up. Paper products have gone up. So they have to roll that over to their consumers. Even you got, like, say, Joe Biden went to the, uh, you know, he was on the strike with the UAW, the United Auto Workers Union. He's pushing this green agenda that's rising the cost for everybody. Right now, the auto workers are being thrown out, thrown out, um, thrown out of work because they're pushing this green agenda, and that means they're going to have to lay off everybody who works at a gas power plant and you don't work. You don't need as many employees for the electric vehicles. So I had uh, just a little bit of a thought. I don't know how this goes. Oh, here it comes. Okay, have you ever heard the term or the the saying "necessity is the mother of all inventions"? Yeah. Okay, so by them kind of maybe eliminating our our main energy source 
and stuff like that, that's kind of going to give people almost like a push to kind of accelerate or even use more green energy. Like uh, one of the examples I, w- I was having is that, yes, we're going to open up a gun range and we are going to have a very hefty electric bill. Now, maybe some things we can do to combat that or to take it down a notch or two is if we maybe invested in some solar panels to kind of subsidize or not have... Uh, so much electric being used. So that's just kind of like us thinking three-dimensionally in a sense of just trying to be like, okay, let's see what we can do to save costs. Is that kind of maybe the administration's... But it's uh, not practical. On certain well, things... It's not <laughs> practical now. Well, no, but I mean, okay, but let's look at this. Certain, I'm not saying you can't use wind and solar to be part of the energy grid. But if you make it the primary source, mm-hmm. I mean, think we live here in Florida, and I've talked to a gen- there's a gentleman at work, I work, a coworker I work with. He has a Tesla, so I asked him, "How long does it take you to power up your Tesla?" It takes 45 minutes. Yeah. When they we had the hurricane um, a few weeks back. Oh no, I'm sorry. When the hurricane came here in last um, this past August, last month. I live in zone A. Yeah. You, you have to evacuate because you're in a flood zone. Everybody went to the gas stations. If it takes 45 minutes per car to charge that vehicle, how you'll never get anybody out of here. And if you're, you're, you're getting more people to use need energy, you, you need power plants to get that energy and we don't we're not doing it well and 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 the energy department had already testified in front of congress and they already stated that we're going to use several times more more diesel diesel that you guys hate to power these electric charging stations to charge your tesla no, so it's like but here's the other it's contradicting it's going to be red diesel so it's not going to cost the other that much argument the administration mentions and i hear this all the time well we've increased oil production to a record level okay that's true but once you get oil production you still got to refine that oil yeah we've cut back that's the reason why california has the highest fuel cost in the nation because they have a certain uh, reformulated blend that's only refined in that state, but yet all their refinery cap- capabilities is refined in California, but they're reducing oil refineries. So you've got all this energy that has to be refined, and you don't have the refineries to do it. Well, and even if we do switch to solar and wind, we still have the issue that the solar panels and the wind turbines themselves are not good for the environment the the turbines can't be recycled the solar panels can't be recycled so you end up with fields of these you end up with fields of these panels in these turbines that just get covered by dirt because there's nothing else to do with them and then here's the other part of that when you do solar and wind you send your, your the energy to a battery pack of some sort well, we don't refine any of the rare earth minerals. They just discovered a, the largest lithium mine in the world on the border of Nevada, California. But by the, by the EPA standard, we can't mine that. Mm-hmm. We don't mine any of this stuff. you got to go to the Congo or China. China produces 80% of the batteries that are needed to be used. I think no matter what direction we go to when it comes to... Finding an alternate or a green energy source, 
it's still going to affect the environment like one way or the other because but say you have like a, okay so my idea of solar power is almost like it's almost like a nuclear type where there's like this big core mirrors shine the sun up to it heat it up it heats up steam turbine all that kind of stuff like that you can have energy for for days but, see the but if there's a if a bird happens to fly over that same little laser beam ray is going to come down chi- you know cook chicken but here's the point on that there's a gentleman named joel cockin he writes for new geography and that deals with state and local issues and what he had written about he is a liberal he is not against electric vehicles or alternative uh, alternative um energy but what he is saying is don't put all your eggs in one basket. What yeah. we've done is we're saying by this date, all vehicles must be electric. Mm-hmm. We don't have the infrastructure. We're not even sure that's all going to work. And so we're, we're, we're killing our economy. So we're making it more expensive. Going back to the economy, we are making it more expensive for the middle class, but especially the poor. They're going to be... Able not be able to buy an electric vehicle is too expensive, or they're not going to be able to have a vehicle at all. So, I Beach Baby two two six came in and said Ukraine is difficult, pulls at heartstrings because don't want people to lose their freedoms. But our country people need help. And, we do. And we need help. I mean, Maui. We've had East Palestine, Ohio, for however however long. We have had how many food processing centers burned down. I mean, we are in a country that all of a sudden you, we have to turn around and we're going to have to fight. No, but the what, pro- what's here? I know, but the problem. I understand all that. The problem is, I always go back to look at go follow the money. We spend things in the budget. On stupid things we should never even spend on. But 115 billion is okay to go know, to Ukraine but, but see, but and there, I nothing. Got I got it. But people also need to know what happens if Ukraine falls. Everybody, like I know Vivek Ramaswamy said in the Republic, we we're, we're forcing Russia and China to get. They're already been linked together before Russia invaded um, Ukraine. And they're watching this. Mm-hmm. So this is, if you think this is going to be, we're spending money now, what's going to happen if China goes into Taiwan? Because we, 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 we just don't want to get involved. But John, let me ask you a question. Are we even ready for a war? No, we are so, not. So then why are we even assisting at the front? Why shouldn't America, we be here people need and under, building up? People but, need to understand, America can do a lot of things. But sure. America needs leadership. That starts from the top. That also starts from the Congress. Some of our gutless uh, members of Congress, they spend on things. Everybody blames the other side. They need to look at themselves in the mirror and quit the spending themselves. They do it to enrich themselves. Now, look at the Bidens. I don't care what anybody says on this podcast. Here's a guy that lied. My family didn't receive money from China. He received millions from China. So we need to get the budget back into where it should be and spend it on things we need to spend. But what if we're attacked before that even happens? But we're not ready because this goes back to the end of the Cold War. We had abandoned our industrial base. And then because of the World Trade Organization, both Democrats and Republicans, including this administration, including Joe Biden, he supported from day one when he became a senator in January of 19, 
um, excuse me, January of 1973, the acquisition of China to go into the World Trade Organization, which shipped American jobs overseas. Look at right now. He's forcing the auto companies to go green when they don't have the technology. Ford just lost $4 billion. Right. So there's going to be less people working. That's less money coming into the Treasury. And it's not less, I mean, it's not, the, it's not a revenue problem. It's a spending problem, even in the Department of Defense. We spend on things we don't need to spend on. Each service looks at their own services, their own parochial service, instead of how does this fit into the national security strategy. I talked to a senior officer at, um, at, um, at CENTCOM. He had stated they received the um, national security strategy. It was thin, and they, the secret one was even, or the top secret one, was nothing. It was just very basic stuff. So we're not focusing on where we focus on. You go to war, or countries go to war when they perceive you to be weak. And right now the world looks at us as weak. As much as people bemoan Donald Trump, you notice how Russia and China didn't do anything. Russia would never have invaded Ukraine if Trump was president because Trump killed even Ronald Reagan never killed Russians. Trump did. Oh yeah. In Syria. Yep. He just killed 250 plus Russians. And Putin was like in oh, under crap. an hour. <laughs> Look what he did to President Xi. He was at Mar a Largo. President Xi was right next to him. This is Trump such a boss leans move. over to him and says, "Oh, by the way, President Xi, we just lost missile strikes and killed Ad Baghdadi." <laughs> oh, by the way, can you pass me a piece of bread? Yeah. Yep. So I want to kind of go back to, to Ray, like when you said that if America goes to war, does that mean we're hopping in some vehicles and we're going over to them kind of war? Or are they going to invade us? Because I see two different scenarios. So do Cause, I. Because like, if I see like if, if anybody gets the bright idea to come over onto our country where we have more guns, I think we have five times as many guns as we do people, they're in for a little bit of a, a shock. But if we go over there, it's a different story. But also, when it comes to our military, is a lot of the branches are, are playing the political game. You know, the Navy, the uh, Army, Air Force, Space Force. You know, you know, Marines are not playing the game, and the recruitment shows that because their recruitment yes, number, their recruitment numbers are on par for where they need to be. So, if there is one branch of the military, and look, of course, I'm kind of favor them too because I'm a Marine, you're a Marine, he's a Marine, but. Marines have met the recruitment goal. I would admit. I would agree with you. But on we're that. different kind of. We're kind of. Know, we're a different kind of. Be, we're a different kind of. Nobody has fought back. Nobody has stood up about um, all the woke policies being pushed in. The Marines got to go through the same training as everybody else. They do, but I would think. It, 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 I think They're it runs. Still going I, I would think it runs a little bit differently. It's, it could almost be like, look, you, still we've done this way. before, John. We've done this before. Where they all sit in a room, but like, hey, we're going to talk about this. Everybody, sign your name, and they don't talk about anything. I know, but there's you know, still be, but, there, but there still needs to be pushback. We know how to check the boxes without. But there's also been complying. times in our history where our lead, our military leaders, didn't do it openly, but they they rebelled about what was going on. Once it was back with the revolt of the admirals in the late 1940s, when the Truman administration wanted to gutted 
the military. And mm-hmm. because of that revolt, it stopped what the Truman administration wanted to do. But we were not prepared for the Korean War, even though we had had the largest army in the world and the largest navy after World War II. And then the second time is second individual was General Matthew Ridgway, who fought back against the conventional cuts by um, President Eisenhower. You had Marine Corps General David Shoup. Mm-hmm. He fought back against and he retired early because he was against Americans' early entry into Vietnam. We don't have these generals. Where was like with Afghanistan? You had General, um, I think his name was McKenzie. Yeah. He now admitted what we did was wrong. We didn't do what we were supposed to have done. Why didn't anybody stand up and say, listen, this is wrong? That's why I was against Colin Powell. But you're saying, but what you're saying, or what I'm hearing you say, is that generals, okay? And but when we we know that from now, when you start to hit that star, even like around that colonel mark, that star, it gets it's a political game. But it's still not saying that there are still leaders and they know how to lead without you know politics aside getting interfering but look at what's happened we've got into conflicts and we got into decisions i'm not saying every general you have to fight every order because that's just that's just the way it is but certain things have ramifications The, the the regular lance corporal or pfc or corporal or sergeant they don't play the political games no they just do want to do their job and get home alive Look at Afghanistan. I did two tours there. You did a tour in Afghan- Iraq. I did a tour in Iraq. How many of these guys came out were wounded? You were wounded. Yeah. How many of these people were killed? I had a friend of mine who was killed in Afghan Iraq. Yeah. I knew people who were killed in Afghanistan. My first trip into Afghanistan, I was on a plane. Literally a foot from me was three dead American bodies. Yeah. What did we gain out of it? We got our asses kicked. By a bunch of goat herders wearing flip-flops has anybody been held accountable was general mckenzie was general milley was any of the joint chiefs no nope. was general uh, lloyd austin the secretary of defense but we know full well there's going to be a reckoning come the next administration well, well it's not just the re- next administration the whole philosophy of the military culture, how we do things. You know, and that's why they're really trying, I think, so hard to kind of knock out the top contender because they know full well, well for what they for what had happened this next, last past four years, there's a reckoning coming whether they like it but or even, not. Okay, but even besides that, I talked to that same individual at the, um, the at CENTCOM, and I was talking to him when, um, after World War One. this is where General, I, I mean, then... Captain Eisenhower went down to Panama. There was a general named uh, Fox Connor. He was the operations officer for General Pershing during World War One. He brought Eisenhower along, and he mentored Eisenhower, Patton, General Marshall. These were the three generals that played dividends that won World War Two. Mm-hmm. He took Eisenhower and had him read all the military history, all the military battles, and asked him, "What would you have done with the same situation? Hmm. Why did you think he did those things?" And he had eyes. If he didn't get the right answer, go back and study it again. Yeah. So these were trained. So when they got into conflict, but our generals and our military establishment just goes through the same, same um, training until they get to this level. There's no innovation. Did anybody said this isn't going well? Yeah. I mean, I wrote a paper for an Afghan about 
Afghanistan in 2010 and said that our strategy was flawed. I was proven correct 11 years later. What did I see? I'm not no general. I didn't go to West Point or Annapolis or any of the war colleges. How did I see it? Our strategy is flawed because I looked at it through an open eyes. Yeah. I read the history, which we were told to do, but did our national security leaders do the same thing? But even with our budgeting, going back to the economy, if we're weak economically, our educational level, half the American kids can't read to grade level, can't do math to grade. What are we doing? Let's dumb down the standard. Let's give everybody a free big hug. We're pushing gender identity. We're worried about pronouns. What the hell is that going to do to get so, us our, build our economy? So I've listened now, and now I've come to a conclusion. Uh, Joe, to answer your question, the fighting will be multi-continental. And we are way behind. Yeah. We are. We, we have leaders that need to understand. I mean, I don't care how new technology gets done. It's the same strategy. You have to learn how to move infantry. You have to learn how to move support. If you don't have support when moving infantry, they get roasted. Hold on. Let's keep on going. It's more, oh, someone stated. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mr. Rush Limbaugh died of cancer. Laugh out loud. Okay. That's a <clears throat> great name. Interesting. <clears throat> yeah said that the red states have the poorest education that's not exactly accurate because when the education report came out last october when it said about the reading scores and we said this last week and florida's that, number one out of every <laughs> out of all the states mississippi did not lose ground when it came to reading yeah but then when you, if you look at those those that statement that he, he's mentioned that red states have the poorest look at the amount of money that's spent in maryland Look at the amount of money. My brother's kids are out now. My brother lives out in California with his kids. Look at the amount of money is spent in California. They have one of the lowest educational rates, but the highest rate among um, minority children who can't read or do math. So, uh, Cody, do you got anything? Yeah, so uh, California is tied for second to last place in literacy. Yeah, so you, you can see this. What were some of the questions that were... Well, um, so I think it's kind of time we should wrap it up. But if you guys want to hop on, or if you guys want to stay on TikTok, uh, John will answer some questions till we get down to a certain number. And that's going to be a while from what I'm seeing right now. So, John, how can they go ahead and get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us by going to ubaldireports at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and obviously TikTok. So... Keep us out. Thank you for all the comments. We're going to stay on for a little bit. Um, we're going to turn it over to Joe. He can tell you about what some of the stuff he's working on. All right. So Cody, Ray, and I are working on a indoor range gun shop, gunsmith shop website, uh, all the all the fun stuff uh, here locally. So just keep an eye out. We'll have it up here soon. It's allamericangunslingers.com. We'll also be uh, you can also get a hold of us through our social media. That's all things All American Gunslingers, unless it is through Twitch, which is All American Pew Pew Slingers. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you can email us at All American Gunslingers at gmail.com. Uh, everybody have a great day. So, anybody gets to be still have questions, let's. Um... The last one was the Rush Limbo. Uh,